0: So I, I think it's a nice um, added perspective to have the show. Like if we're going too deep in the nerd ass shit, like you can be the uh, presence that will uh, kind of ground it.
1: Yeah. Well, third wheel and out of my league are like basically on my resume. So I am feel comfortable with that. <laughs>
0: Manga happy hour podcast. Matt and we are singing the happy hour podcast theme. Talk about different manga every week. We talk about manga and get drunk. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Manga Happy Hour. I am, as always, your host Matt Codner, and I'm joined with my co-host. August Kiarella, what's up, everybody? Hey, Augie, how you doing today? I'm okay. How are you, Connor? I'm sweating. It's uh, I'm in the middle room as always, and it is hot in NYC. No, in that room. Can you not crack it? Get a little cross breeze. We got caught. We yeah, we have an air shaft. Um, we in addition to having an air shaft, we also have a special guest with us today. (laughs) Who do we have there? You. Me? Yeah, who do we have? I guess
1: I'm second best to an air shaft. Um, (laughs) My name is Brooke Snyder, and I am a coworker of uh, of August.
0: Hi, Brooke. So glad to have you on the Manga Happy Hour.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Glad. uh, I'm sure that you uh, you work in some sort of uh, shop environment. Uh, Is it a cheese shop?
1: It is not a cheese.
0: (laughs) I don't know. No, it's not. I, I, I'm sure I'm sure it's your own form of a kitchen nightmare working with August. <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, it's it's my own form of a nightmare for sure. Not necessarily because of him. But
0: yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Well,
0: good. Good. To, good to hear that we're all doing poorly this week. Um, <laughs> we're, we're all struggling. We I lost my job this week. Um, and, oh, my gosh. We're just going to keep going. We're gonna get yeah, that we're... unemployment. We're gonna do these creative projects like the manga happy hour, where yeah. this week we will be talking about the legendary manga Akira. Akira. Yeah. Uh really many... about this one. You're what, sorry? Really excited about this one. Yeah, oh definitely. This is a uh God, talk about uh memories. I think my friend Joey bit torrented or maybe downloaded the movie on napster and showed it to me in eighth grade and we watched it on his computer monitor
2: yeah my friend michael quiz in the seventh grade he was the only um asian kid in the entire school district i went to a really small school and he had Akira on dvd he like got it from his cousin that lived in san francisco and i went to his house for a sleepover and we watched it and i was like fucking blown away it was, it was nuts you yeah
0: know? it's it's really uh you, you know you think you're watching the powerpuff girls and uh it ain't that it ain't that kid. Um,
1: no, definitely not.
0: So uh, a lot of people have probably heard of uh, Akira. I know that the movie is in some sort of constant state of being remade by an American. I think Taiko Waititi was attached to it recently, oh. and then uh, has exited the project. If I'm oh, did he really? I didn't know that. I I, th- I think that happened in the last year. I mean, I could Google it, but I'm going to keep the show going uh, unless. Uh, should we take a vote to see if we want me to Google it and type loudly? Uh, I no, vote no. No. Okay. No. Okay. Three. Three to zero. That's fine. Um, so Akira is the classic cyberpunk story taking place uh, post World War Three. Uh, Wikipedia describes it as post-apocalyptic, but I feel like that's a misnomer. Uh, it's very uh, rooted in society and life, kind of continuing. Uh, as fucked up and terrible as it is. There's uh, gang wars, drug addiction, youth uh, miscreants riding through Neo-Tokyo. But, it's, it, I mean, it seems like the world is still kind of functioning. It doesn't really seem like a Mad Max situation. No, um, I don't think it is post-apocalyptic in any way. Right, it's just, I mean, the the opening pages are uh, a massive, really striking image of a gigantic explosion in. Uh, Tokyo with the uh, text that follows just saying it's just a list of cities. There's probably 20 or so major global cities and saying that within hours, world war three had begun. Mm -hmm. So it's really, uh, it's a, it's a tough time to be alive in the world of Akira, which is uh, actually 2019 and maybe in 2019 it seemed off, but we could be there in a couple of years. Um so we have we have a pretty basic uh cyberpunk story where we have uh raunchy teenagers who are snorting, swallowing pills and riding bikes through restricted areas. Uh and everything kind of comes to a head when they uh Kaneda and Tetsuo and their gang come across a figure in the street who looks like a little boy but on closer inspection looks like a wrinkly old man, like Hans Molman, basically. Um, And just through a cruel twist of fate, these kids on their bikes become tangled up with these uh, mysterious Hans Molman kid and really get um, tangled up in this complicated web of government secrecy and projects and uh, pretty evidently tele-psychokinetic, telekinetic powers um, so the story follows, uh, Kaneda, our hero, 15 year old, who, uh, I was just reading this today. I, I forgot that he is just offhandedly revealed to have knocked up the school nurse.
2: Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. He's yeah, a bad he, boy. Yeah. He's, he's a bad dude. She also is like somewhat sociopathic too. They, there's this interaction between him and the nurse. I think she's only in like six pages of the entire manga <laughs> where she like tells him, about the pregnancy, and he's like, "Oh, can I be there for the
0: birth?" And then no, just oh of, no no no, not can I be there? Can I watch?
2: Oh yeah, can I can I watch? But then immediately doesn't recognize any of like her clear emotional outpourings of being like, "Please, you know, be involved with this." He's just like, "Gotta go, see you later," and then that's it for her. Yeah, entire
0: future. yeah, that never comes back. That's a great touch, uh, because the things that he is involved in are. Um, at a magnitude of importance more than a unplanned pregnancy, we have his best friend disappearing from the government, the one who uh, crashed into the little boy. And it turns out that Tetsuo uh, has some sort of latent psychic abilities himself, and uh, the government is trying to contain him. There are these references to Akira, the uh, title of the series, as this uh, figure, Akira, is coming um, and it really becomes this chaotic, almost never-ending chase scene between Kaneda, the um, counter, the revolutionary people, the government forces, international forces at one point, trying to contain the psychic powers of Tetsuo, and then Kaneda trying to uh, basically, I guess, not even get his friend back. That that becomes unimportant very quickly. He just cares about stopping him and yeah. trying to. Not, I don't even think he cares what's going on. There's no aspect of solving a mystery. He's just in it for the ride. Um, so that 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 is the uh, ultimate setting for Akira. I think that tracks pretty closely between the movie and the manga. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know, August. Do you want to talk a little bit about the difference for the people who may have only seen the movie uh, as just yeah, reading cool. the books?
1: Like, yeah, so the, like myself, only seen the movie.
0: Yeah, we. Yeah, thank you, Bertha. We have yeah. that uh, exact perspective with us today. The, the movie was,
2: I mean, I mean, it is a pretty phenomenal production. Katsuhiro um, Otomo, who was the um, director and writer of both the movie, um, created the manga as well. And luckily, he got sole creative um, directive for the movie, so everything is pretty close to what the um, the series tells. However, due to the size of the manga, it was started in 1984 or 82, I think, um, and lasted for almost eight years. So it's a pretty large publication. It, I think it clocks in at something over 2,000 pages. Um, so unfortunately, even though the movie is substantially long for an anime, uh, it just can't consolidate all of the themes and arcs and character
0: development down um, Am I uh sorry to interrupt, am I right to say that the movie came out while the manga was still publishing? Uh or did it uh was it created after the series was wrapped up?
2: It was created the year after the series was wrapped up. I'm pretty Got sure
0: it. Okay. nineteen uh eighty-eight. Yeah, I was gonna say eighty-nine maybe, but okay, that sounds good. Yeah. Um there there's so much uh There's so much detail in the manga and forgive me, I haven't read the entire thing through since probably 2015 or 16, but uh, you know, I did do the cursory glance through the Wikipedia and I read the first uh, hardcover volume. Oh boy, that 35 year anniversary that Kodansha put out is a beautiful, beautiful uh, edition for any uh, fan of the series who is maybe stuck with the uh, pitiable left to right soft cover. That Kodansha okay. put like out a thing. I mean, they were still expensive. It's not like they're they're totally
2: readable. <laughs> they're kind of soft. Um, anyway, to get back to the differences, there. I mean, there are, there are some major differences. I think that we'll get to while we continue this discussion. Um, but a large part of that is in the manga. Um, Kai, um, who is a figure that we get introduced pretty early on. I think probably in the first quarter of the movie has a much larger role in the universe of um Neo Tokyo than she does in the movie. She kind of appears as kind of this somewhat um equal to terms and importance to Kanada character, but in the manga she is an Esper. Uh or what, what was your reference to the the little children, Matt? I can't remember what you uh, Hans Moleman. Hans Moleman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those characters that were later introduced to uh takashi um being the the first that were introduced to are espers um so they have psychic abilities um kai is a gifted psychic ability user and is later enhanced um by lady miyako who is enhanced a, enhanced uh who is who's is present lady miyako is present
0: in the movie she's, she's the old of, wrinkly lady she's she's she's, she's, she's like ahead. in a
1: big baby carriage. Correct. Or something like that, right? She's no, like, so kept like in a huge children's those playpen. Are, those
0: are the uh, Hans Moleman. Uh, yeah. Oh, of yes. Han. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so she she's like the old bag.
2: Yeah. She. Oh. Yeah. Yes. So um
0: the the people
2: that the younger people that were in the kind of the yeah, the toyish room or like the toy room in the movie, their names are Takashi, Kyoko, and Masaru. um, And they are part of the like secretive government um, project that spawned Akira. Um, But Miyako was also a part of that. And in the manga, we get a little bit more background on that, how she left and kind of became a spiritual leader um, using her powers for not necessarily good, but um, she just disassociated between the government um, and the rest of the espers as we would call them. the moleman the moleman, yeah excuse me
0: yeah. um great okay well uh sorry do you do you want to ramp up or uh, i do i do want to ha- do a uh, status update with everyone but please finish up if you no that's it, that's anything. it you go ahead okay. uh i just want to point out that this is the manga happy hour and the happy hour we take that seriously here so i just want to go around the room and ask uh what what is everyone uh, sipping on right now oh, let's start with you Brooke.
1: Um, I, uh, am drinking a, um, like a Shandy concoction. I basically just put a bunch of, uh, Olympia, uh, beer in a tall glass and poured a bunch of Campari in there. Ooh. Okay. So ooh la la.
0: Yeah. That's like a, uh, summer Shandy DIY project.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, little lime juice, little orange juice, ooh. drinking at 2 PM. It's good.
0: What, yeah. uh, w- of course. What is Campari for the people at home and me who don't know what Campari is?
1: Oh dang! Uh, well, it's a key ingredient in Negronis. I can't remember. My- it's a very beautiful color.
0: Is it a bitter? A liqueur? It's,
1: it's, it's a, bitters. a
0: bitters. It's an aperitif. aperitif. Well, it's
1: it's okay. very bitter.
0: Is that is that what I uh, had to buy you, August, when I lost the one piece bet? No, you bought me Fernet. Fernet.
2: Oh, okay. very
1: different.
0: Yeah, very, I also don't, don't know what that is, but
2: party is like deep red orange. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big drink in Italy,
0: buddy. We're in America. August, what are you drinking? Uh, I've got a Woodford Reserve, just neat. <laughs> Ooh, yeah,
1: la <laughs> la. That's well, an
2: expensive.
0: Uh, that's a rye, right? Or is it just
2: whiskey? It, yeah, it's a rye, um, and wow. it is very good. I got really fucked up last week um, and drank like almost half the bottle, and now I'm kind of just you know, finish on the show last week
0: or uh, in general.
2: Yeah. 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 On the show on Tuesday, we got, yeah, yeah we got pretty
1: fun. Oh. <laughs> fun fact about Woodford reserve. Uh, the, like the design of the bottle was meant uh-huh. to like mimic men's cologne bottles. Oh, weird. Oh, to make it seem like sophisticated and classy. Cause I feel like, you know, back in the day, whiskey and rye and stuff were like a, a scoundrel's drink. Hmm. So they know. wanted to market it to, like, you know, Don Draper admin. So. I was going to
0: say it sounds like a Don Draper drink. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to say that uh, I see your Woodford Reserve as a manly drink and really pump it up one more notch okay. uh, with a Di bottle. That is the most beautiful bottle uh, as a teenager, seeing those ads, Di yes. good to the last drop. Yes, on the drop. rocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, the, you know, the person is uh, trying to give their – uh, she drinks their uh, Di Sorono and then the bartender starts to take the the cup away and she grabs his hand good to the last drop and she like laps up a single droplet of Di Sorono. And yeah. let me tell you, when I uh, turned 21, I forgot about Di Sorono. Um, flash, flash forward maybe five years later, 25, 26. Matt Matt Juice. I, I was uh, just struck with inspiration at the liquor store and bought the biggest thing of de Serono that I could think of, that I could see. And I got home. Uh, I poured Gatorade in a cup. I poured de Serono in the cup. I made matte, matte juice. And Wait, that,
1: but what color Gatorade?
0: It See, the the effects of matte, matte juice have uh, erased <laughs> the details, but it, uh. is, it was blue-green. Um, so in subsequent matte, matte juice nights, I have... Gone to the store and just bought a uh, turquoise Gatorade, whichever flavor it may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, gets, it gets the job done. Gotcha. And Brooke, you may say, "Hey, that doesn't
2: sound good." It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's surprising. You're but like, you got it. You
1: got cool. You got to go with Gatorade. None of that Powerade bullshit.
2: No. Oh, don't no. No Sobe Life Water. No G two. So no don't fuck around. <laughs> just go with Gatorade. Okay. Get the purity.
1: Yeah.
0: So on top of, oh um, well, maybe maybe this isn't disgusting. I got this off the back of the uh, bottle. I'm drinking a um, lemoncello vodka mixed drink oh. Uh, oh. with ice.
2: What?
0: Um, yeah, I got I got really blazed, and I went to the liquor store uh, maybe a couple months ago, and I spent maybe half an hour trying to figure out what what is in a cocktail. What should I buy? I always just buy a vodka or a whiskey or something. And I walked out of there with a giant bottle of limoncello that uh, I don't I don't know I don't know if it's good if it's bad but I put the vodka in it and I feel like it is a drink. Wait, wait,
2: yeah. So All of vodka, or you bought a bottle of limoncello and vodka?
0: No, no. I throughout my life I'll buy vodka. I'm a vodka boy since I was 14 years old. I I took my first drink was a sip of vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And yeah, I've never needed a chaser for it. Not, not a brag, just kind of a Eastern European genetic. I think I'm a Ukrainian boy and down in those parts, we drink vodka, I guess. Yeah.
2: But so just to clarify, the bottle that you're drinking out of right now is just, just the lemon jello You're just drinking lemon limoncello?
0: Out of the bottle? No. I, uh, got, I took a glass from the cabinet. I put a shot of, uh, ultimate vodka ultimat it's a polish vodka that was 20 percent off at my local liquor store shout out uh, they call it premium uh, thank you queen's liquor i'm in new york by the way um and i took the limoncello i measured out a shot i poured it into the glass swirled it with the uh end of a plastic spoon and then put okay. two to nice. three ice cubes in there all right and i'm sweating i'm sweating and i'm on one
2: yeah
1: Okay. Sounds refreshing.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. It, we're certainly, I think we're certainly more restrained than the boys of Akira who, uh, at the very beginning, are just constantly talking about pills. There's this constantly. real constantly. There's just, hey, we got to take the pills to go out. People will take a pill out of their pocket, and uh, the first person to see it will just jump at it and say, hey, let me have that.
2: Yeah. I mean, also in in uh, reference to pills, Canada has a giant pill on the back of his amazingly cool red leather jacket. Of that he's course, in.
1: I was just gonna ask about that. Doesn't he have a huge pill, or was that mm-hmm. just subliminal? Oh,
2: that's
0: so beautiful. I never yeah. even thought about that.
2: Yeah, he has a giant pill. And actually, a fun fact: when I was when I turned eighteen, I got a tattoo. Like the day I uh, the day I turned eighteen, I went to a tattoo shop to get a tattoo. And next to me, sitting on a table, this guy, this white guy, was getting that fucking pill tattooed on his back. And I was like, that's too much. I was like, <laughs> we don't need to get that tattooed. You know what I mean? I
1: really hope it was to size of what it was. it was on the jacket.
2: It was his entire back was the pill.
0: Wow. And now, I mean, you think of that as being too far when you're 18 and now August will, uh, I think one time you sent me an Instagram post of someone who got Kakashi from Naruto tattooed on their arm yeah. with a massive erection. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not
0: not like underneath a pair of pants but just like sticking up at 45 yeah, degree yeah. Just a giant dick. yeah so i, I have can't to, like, admire
1: the commitment though
2: yeah i mean it's there but still yeah. great
0: i don't know i'm i'm at a loss for words I, I don't know if it's gross or not uh i certainly wouldn't do it myself um so again with if you've heard any previous episodes of the manga happy hour you know that we are not a recap podcast we are going to have a thematic discussion uh about the series that we all know and love akira of course um but before we get there we have both decided to uh pick a topic that we think that we want to build a theme out of so the topic this week comes from uh Aggie himself uh war we're going to be talking about war today um we didn't talk about this before, but August, do you want to go first say your yeah, theme I'm,
2: I went first last time. you go first this time all
0: right all right, everybody uh welcome to the theme zone the theme park maybe we should call this the theme park <laughs> the Theme
2: park okay sure
0: um I am going to say that my theme around the concept of war in the uh, series of Akira is that war is pointless Um, not from a uh, kumbaya peace on earth perspective but the overwhelming uh, feeling that I got from the beginning of Akira when I was reading it today was that uh, witnessing one of the worst atrocities imaginable an entire city exploding and then not even seeing but just like there's too much to list that 20, 25 different major cities were presumably nuked, uh, major loss of life, war broke out. And where the series picks up is not a kind of post-apocalyptic world like we talked about. It is just kind of a classic 15-year-olds, high schoolers, up to no good story. Um, There's certainly a transition of roles in society. Um, There are revolutionaries, there are covert government operatives, uh, but there's also just, you know, high school freshmen, high school sophomores riding bikes going around. Uh, The fact that our main characters um, are, uh, they've formed their own gang, their own motorcycle gang, and they scuffle and they beat the shit out of people. They do drugs. That, I mean, to me, that doesn't seem uh, altogether too different than, any kind of fictional work that could take place in the year 2020, um, so I know maybe August you can talk about this later. The back half of the series, or at least the uh, final arc is a like full-on war between two different factions. Um, but i I guess my perspective perspectives come from the uh, the post World War three era is that you know people just kind of keep going that there's an immense loss of life there's uh, unhappiness sorrow economic depression drug abuse all all of these kind of things that i think ultimately aren't really that affected by the um the results of a war i think during a war is uh, extremely terrible but overall i think people just carry on is one of the points of the series like that there is no moral awakening to be had after a massive loss of life because with each new generation, people will just see, do as they see fit. Mm. Um, I'm wondering, uh, August, do you have any thoughts? Uh, someone who's read it or uh, yeah. especially, especially Brooke seeing the movie. I wonder if you got any of that.
1: I mean, I feel like, I, so I have to be really honest and say that I've only seen the movie once. Um, it was about a year ago, and my brother uh, downloaded it from some kind of Napster. website. Napster. Napster. Yeah, um, found it on like a Zanga account, you know. <laughs> um, and we were quite stoned while watching it, so I feel like yeah. specific details don't stand out to me. But I <laughs> just, just, you, <laughs> just you talking about. That just now, Matt. I got this. I remembered the feeling, the sense of this like cyclical nature of war and violence, and that there's something uh, like deeply rooted in the human condition to push toward that.
2: Yeah, I I think I have to agree with Brooke a lot um, with that, and I think that um, my theme, or I guess like my topic, um, is kind of that. Especially in Akira, um, is that war is pretty pervasive in a, almost every element of um, the the manga series. I think that we look at it from the very beginning with the front panels, um, the you know the image of the, the giant explosion. It immediately for me um, brings it back to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, World yeah. War II. I mean, I think that especially in Otomo's um, history, where he grew up in a post. Post-imperialist um, Japan, all he saw was a restructuring from war. So it is this, as Brooke said, very cyclical nature of you know war and peacetime kind of coalescing together to create this story. I think that we can also see um, this sense of warlike struggle between um, you know these teenagers who have no homes. Apparently, not homes, but we're never introduced to parent figures in this manga in any sense of the word. They're, only, wild. Mm-hmm. they're wild. They're yeah. wild boys. I mean, yeah, yeah, they have gangs and that um, they're at war with the government who's trying to oppress the... Yeah, I mean, oppress in a very loose sense of a term, like shut them down from getting any more information about these espers, and they immediately join up with these rebels who are fighting against the government. I mean, the entire series is of this struggle of um, power dynamics, and I think on kind of a meta-narrative level, there's no real... Definitive, uh, you know, binary where it's like, oh, the government is doing this for good or for bad. I don't think that that there are these kind of like leanings that we get to have, which I think Akira has done so well um, over the past thirty-five years. For for that reason, because there isn't this um, again binary where you're like, oh, these people are good and these are bad. I think that mm. we're able to kind of subjectively see ourselves. Um, in all of these situations and try to understand why they would react that way or act in a certain manner.
0: Um, One of the, uh, one of the early motivating uh, reasons for the uh, colonel Mm -hmm. who is running the Akira project. uh, Shikishima. Shikishima. Thank you. uh, Who uh, Kaneda very, uh, loosely calls him a skinhead, which I love that that's their go-to insult for any figure of authority is a skinhead. Um, His main motivating uh, factor is just the prevention of the loss of life. Yeah. Um, He is someone who understands the cataclysmic uh, outcomes that come with these people, with uh, unrest. Uh, And I was thinking that like, oh, wow, you know, it's not like he's just like a utilitarian where he's thinking... I want to support life and I I want to make sure that people have the best thing. Uh, Pretty, maybe halfway through the first book when I was reading it, they, uh, he is at the secret military base being built over the site of the upcoming Olympics. Someone just briefs him and says, hey, there's an intruder. And the next speech bubble is just the colonel saying, okay, kill him.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think that he does have this like sense of duty kind of, but he also, um, allows for them to use the sole equipment that like is this giant satellite laser beam functioning system that like kills thousands of people with each of its use with each of its usages.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, look, if I was walking down the street and a uh, laser beam penetrated the guy standing next to me, I, I don't know what I would believe at that point. Mm -hmm. Hey, actually, if you want to talk about the real world for a second, uh, did either of you see that uh, report in the New York Times about the new missile that the American government used in Syria?
1: The sword
0: sword missile, yeah. It is a uh, guided missile that is launched from a drone to, uh, it was designed specifically to reduce civilian casualties during drone strikes. Uh, so they used it on a high-ranking Qaeda al Qaeda um, leader, I guess. Uh, so he was driving down a street somewhere, I guess, in Syria, and the American government authorized this uh, Hellfire missile to be dropped, and it actually didn't detonate because there is uh, there's no explosive material in the head of the missile. It was just weight. Um, so they thought, what if we just drop basically this like mass of metal on the car? Um, but I guess that wasn't effective enough. So they also included six blades, uh, long swords in the tip of the missile that deployed right be- seconds before impact. So I ju- just the comment about the soul killing thousands of people, the satellite laser thing, like, we're already there. Like. We may be targeting and efficiently taking out the enemy, but you know it's great that the car doesn't explode and shrapnel doesn't kill a 12-year-old biking down the street. But at the same time, what are you going to think as that 12-year-old when you see um, a missile fall out of the sky and shoot a bunch of swords and just really rend someone into uh, mush? Jeez. Hmm. I think war is immoral. I'll I'll, I'll point that as a uh,
1: completely yes. N- not yeah. okay. there's no That's idea. your hot take.
0: That's my uh, HT of the episode. My hot take. M yeah. MHT man's hot take. <laughs> well, I I made, feel
1: like. Yeah. <laughs> oh sorry.
0: No, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Just like kind of here as like an observer of hearing you guys talk more about this. Um, about Akira specifically, the novelization or the I guess the manga of it um Mm -hmm. i'm thinking so much about like miyazaki movies Mm -hmm. which are i think how a lot of like americans have consumed that style of animation um and how parallel they are i guess akira and the movies of miyazaki where there's this absence of adult presence and it's kind of following adolescents and kids through this almost like borderline uh fantasy situation where yeah. Yeah. There, like, there is no black and white evil villain. I mean, I'm even thinking of characters from Spirited Away that are the villains in the very beginning, but then they turn and soften and you see their perspective. And it's, by the end of his movies, you have this kind of like full arc of transformation and it feels very complete, even though I don't think a lot of time has passed. Whereas in Akira, the ending is so much bleaker and i kind of lost my train of thought there but can
0: you can you remind me how the movie ends it's been the last time i watched it i too was really baked uh i just bought a (laughs) psvr headset and i found out that you could watch movies in uh, uh imax like virtual screen so at two in the morning on a weekend i uh blazed up watched akira in vr and fell asleep so I don't remember much.
1: Um
2: so the movie ends somewhat similarly to the manga um where there is this singularity that uh kind of is I don't know if I don't know if Tetsuo Tetsuo starts becomes it. a big bulbous monster, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes a big bulbous monster um but um there is this like flashback to Kaneda and Tetsuo having a moment in their childhood um There's a singularity that starts, and then Akira and the three espers, including Tetsuo... The three mole men. Yeah, the three mole men disappear with Kaneda, but they leave Kaneda and Kai on just, like, near the Olympic grounds. Um, And, like, one of the last scenes is them
0: uh, just, like, driving off back into Neo-Tokyo. So all all of that... uh essentially happened, every every uh, beat and arc and storyline in the movie just led to this uh, handful of psychic people, whether they be mole men or otherwise, kind of ascending into this other, this unknowable plane of existence. And, you know, at at that point, how has the world changed? Has it? Has anything come from this other than that uh, I guess people can continue without the threat of uh, another Tetsuo uh, wreaking havoc across a society just because of kind of this insatiable uh, power that he has.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. At the, in the end of the manga, which I reread recently, um, like one of the last panels is uh, Kai and Kanada's return to Neo to the Neo-Tokyo like empire. Um, with, like, the UN showing up, like, with aid, um, and that I remember Canada, I think, mentions that Akira is, like, still alive in all of, all of their hearts. And I think that, for me, I was like, oh, they are tired. It was like a sense of rebellion is still present within, like, their thoughts mm. and in their minds, that they don't want to return to kind of this, like, capitalist post- structuralist time globalist
0: globalists
2: yeah (laughs) um but yeah i think the ending in the manga is just slightly different enough where it's it's it felt a little bit more meaningful instead of teenagers riding off into the distance they're confronted by this you know Mm. peace service the un and they're like fuck this like you know the neo tokyo empire is going to reign over this because we we know what we want and we're we were tired of what came before
0: yeah Absolutely. I think we are at that breaking point uh, in a way that I never thought that we would be in our real lives just to think like we're at the precipice of the 2020 election for America and this is it. This is either um, the slow descent into fascism, maybe over the course of our lifetime or sooner, um, or just some baseline return to normalcy where people will eventually stop uh, living with hate for each other. Uh, I don't think that will ever be gone, of course, but uh, this is a pivotal moment of just witnessing the uh, transition from one form of society that we knew and grew up with and uh, into something new. And I think it'll be up to the uh, people. I think the Black Lives Matters protesters have been an uh, unbelievable force. Um, to feel that. I've gone out. I think I've uh, protested twice. I'm scared of COVID. I don't want to keep doing it. But it's real. The the feeling is there. And we are not just going to uh, buckle under the control of the state. And I think that is the the conclusion that Akira comes to the series that is uh, at the end of the manga. That whatever you, whatever the baseline society that you think is going to be best for everyone didn't work for us then we don't want it to work for us now we're fed up
2: yeah i mean completely um
1: i i feel like I, there are so many uh i feel like examples that people are pointing to from you know 100 years ago Of it's funny that all these you know covid the protests the election all these things are happening and people are drawing comparisons to like the great depression and race riots and things like that. And I find that to be both inspirational in the sense of like, people are always going to continue to rebel and fight for their rights, mm-hmm. but also uh, just again, that like idea of cyclical like, cycles of violence and cycles of oppression that won't ever quite go away. Mm-hmm
0: yeah I th- I honestly think a huge part of that isn't for a lack of ideology or a lack of leaders. I really think it is just the creation of life. You know, people will come up and they interpret the way the world in a way that you would never think to. and you know, there's certainly a handful of people who raise their kids to love God and to fight against abortion and campaign for George W. Bush, Jesus Camp, the documentary. You know what yeah, I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, um, but by and large, it's always just going to come down to the next generation to uh, ascribe meaning to what came before it. I say, and I, I take this very personally as someone who is Jewish, lives in America. My family came, I guess, around the twenties, maybe the uh, even the tens. Um, if they had stuck around in Europe and hadn't come to this country, they would have been uh, obliterated by Hitler, by the Nazis. Uh, any any sort of uh, extended family going backwards in my family tree was, in fact, obliterated and killed by the Nazis. Um, so I understand that war, I, I guess war may be pointless uh, from a large perspective, maybe like a bird's eye view of the timeline. But in the moment, it is extremely important but i think what akira will maybe point out is that no matter what happens before you the people who are new to this world the people who are coming of age they're always just going to see what they see um and live according to what makes sense to them i think i think oh. that's beautiful i think i think that's great there's no larger governing uh sense of duty to life i think anybody can make what they want out of it and the only goal that we should have as people of America in the year 2020 mm-hmm. uh, is to give everyone that opportunity, whether that be undocumented immigrants who just want a better life here, um, people who want to use drugs. I think everybody should be free to use any sort of drugs without fear of incarceration, um, housing. My wife is a urban planner and she has really opened my eyes to the ideas of a, uh, you know, the worst possible thing you can imagine uh, when it comes to protecting your uh, liberty or your freedom. Oh, what if a homeless crazy guy comes into your house at three in the morning and tries to kill you? Uh, the real question is, why are there homeless people? Yeah, we've mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. But um, with the resources that we have with the technology we have, why not uh, work towards ending that in any kind of meaningful way, whether or not it Aligns with the uh, law of the land. That's my okay soapbox. I'll step down, uh, August. I'm going to let you stand up on the soapbox. Why yeah, you have no, why, why you have two minutes to rail against the man? Well, I mean, fuck the man. Clearly, fuck the man. I'm sorry. I got off the soapbox. I'm sorry.
2: No, it's fine. <laughs> I think that um, you left off on in an interesting point where I think that, especially in Akira, they are left in this really pivotal point where. Kanada and Kai leave to go back into Neo-Tokyo and to reclaim the Neo-Tokyo empire that was started by um, Tetsuo and Akira. But it's interesting to me to think about how the formation of that society would start again when, um, hi, Laura. Um, I'm sorry. Sorry, when the, the, the group, the Neo-Tokyo empire was mm. formed um, with this kind of, deity praise structure where Akira and Tetsuo were at the lead of it solely because they had these um, psychokinetic powers. And now that that's gone, how, how does that, how do you kind of, you know, form naturally? Um, a group that is both progressive and anti-government but doesn't create a new power structure similar to that of like a a hierarchy you know because they did have a very clear hierarchy where it was Akira and then Tetsuo and then they had these these gang members who had semi-psychokinetic powers but how does somebody who doesn't have those psychokinetic powers like Kaneda come in and kind of help them form or regroup um, into a structure that's both meaningful um, but non-harmful and
0: non-hierarchical. I think, God, I just really want to comment. The image that sticks out to me uh, when I read this series for the first time, uh, maybe five years ago, I would borrowed it from a friend. One book after the other uh, was when Akira comes back, and he really is ruling as the as a, as a me, king. As a king, the robe that Otomo uh, depicts him in is long mm-hmm. it drapes off like it kind of shoots off almost like oh my god it's almost like his own red carpet and he just sits there he sits there with the uh, untouchable power of a king yeah i, I thought that was such a strong uh, image just uh, apart from any kind of thematic discussion or any point that you were making
2: i think that it, i think that is a really strong image and i think that um you know the use of power in akira is seen i think in a lot of different ways i think that there are those really memorable scenes where tetsuo kind of becomes this um globular creature where he's absorbing everything around him and i think that can be seen as kind of a metaphor where his power has become um both physically and metaphysically um engorged i mean he's absorbing everything around him the power that he Mm -hmm um, was introduced to at the beginning of the series has become rampant. And that's because, you know, the government kind of had this very weird underlying tone of, we can help you with this, we can help you become stronger. And then he is also met with, um, you know, some pushback from his, from his previous life of Kanada and Kai, um, not wanting him to, to morph into this, you know, kind of God structure. Um, and he ends up doing it anyway. Um, his power becomes too great and you know, it literally starts eating everything around him, becoming this decaying matter. And it's it's very disturbing to see that imagery. And he also starts to eat um, his girlfriend, I think, at mm-hmm. one point, um, uh, You know, like power, I think, manifested itself in a very literal sense in that scene, where it's just consuming everything around him. And uh, the only check and balance that we have is a, the opposite side of that power, um, Lady Chioko and the other three espers try to contain it. Um, and the only way that they do contain it is, and I mean, I think this is a very interesting thing talking about the dissolution of governments, um, is the only way that that power uh, goes away is they literally leave like the, this where they like transcend into another dimension. They're like, this doesn't make sense here, power structure, this power structure doesn't make Boy, sense. Boy, bye. To- we have to take it away. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and the, uh, you know, the regular people, the uh, government uh, nitwits who are trying to run things, their solution is a satellite that shoots a laser beam out. It's yeah. not just Japan. It's also America. They're like, hey, we have it's our so own laser beam Floyd. firing satellite, bruh. Yeah. Guess it's what? Also it didn't the, work.
2: The dumbest. Uh, Floyd. Floyd. <laughs> oh,
0: oh Floyd. geez. Well, I'll say this. I'm looking at a sign right now that we wrote up and we protested with justice for George Floyd uh i I feel like I can't say that enough we We have one sign up in our window right now, yeah, and after we put our a c in, I put the sign back up uh and the window pane cuts it in half, so it didn't feel right to keep it up. Mm. but just keeping it keeping it around, keeping the name in my head uh is powerful. I think uh, you know he was murdered for nothing. He was murdered by the state. his murders were shielded by the state. And there's too much of that. There, it's too much to handle. And people, people uh, are reacting in a way that is heartening, which is anger and frustration. And I just hope that uh, every 100% of people would agree that, uh, I think his name is Derek Chauvin, the guy with the knee and the uh, three cops, should uh, never see the light of day again. I don't know if uh, jail is the moral answer to that. Uh, I believe in restorative justice, but God, uh, something needs to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. On that same note, the cops who shot and killed Breonna Taylor in her own home are also still uh, still walking around. Um,
0: I bet they're not wearing masks either because they're so I free. I bet
1: they're not wearing masks.
0: Who knows? That's a value judgment. It The, the Breonna Taylor is just so... It's so terrible, and I, I think like we're talking about this work of art from thirty five, forty years ago, and it's so it's just so funny the way that it treats violence is, um, you know, inter gang fighting and beating the shit out of people. They still pretty much draw the line at killing people. They don't want to kill anyone. They try to hold it okay. off. Um, but there's this one scene where uh, Connie to uh, witnesses a go- a man get gunned down, his head gets shot. And I think he says, cool. <laughs> I think that maybe I'm confusing that with something else, but I feel like I read that today where uh, he just goes, whoa, all right. Um, and then, of course, you have Tetsuo, who is, um, with his newfound powers, or is just really showing force by uh, exploding people in the okay. most gruesome... Uh, unimaginable way possible
1: there's something so uh uh like six-year-old at a playground about that like the separation of violence from like any kind of personal like identity toward that person or any kind of like moral center it's just oh cool this guy's head exploded whoa yeah whoa yeah there's so much you know it's just the desensitization of violence, I guess.
0: but. And I, I would have to imagine, I'm, I'm just watching all these videos where they break down the, uh, there's a great one in the Times the other day where they did a video analysis of a protest and how in the span of 60 seconds, um, the riot police had just dis- had wantonly dispersed tear gas into a peaceful crowd. Um, And Mm -hmm. it literally began because one officer felt that an umbrella was uh, over a barrier, not necessarily impeding his uh, body, but just over. So he grabs at the umbrella, and that caused a chain reaction of uh, violence and mayhem that was then blamed on the protesters. Uh, Not to lay the blame at the man who grabbed the umbrella, but just the system that uh, followed is what is despicable. And we can, of course, we can be mad at looters and we can be mad at agitators who depict these uh, or enact these acts of violence. And of course, you can be mad at a personal level, but if you don't peek back and see the response and the way that things are normalized, I think we're going to end up with a World War III in our lifetime, like not in a fatalistic yeah. uh, prepper way, but if those are the people who are uh, leading the um, leading the news, leading the uh, I guess thought leadership, if you want to get Silicon Valley on it, there's just a whole breakdown of morality. And uh, I hope, I hope that if that happens, I believe that the next 15 year old, like Kaneda and Tetsuo. Can fucking figure something out and do and figure out their own way of living.
1: Well, it's it's almost comical how, uh, I mean, in Akira, they push. I'm gonna, I feel like I'm not gonna say any of name names right. They push uh, Tetsuo to, you know, engage with his powers, fight for power, like gain, like basically become a weapon. And then their mm. response to what he's become is more violence. It's like the only language they know. And so when cops are met with peaceful protesters who are, I guess, uh, presenting aggression, but not actually being aggressive, the only response they know is just more violence. And people are at like... Control. Yeah. And it's the opposite of what people are asking for. They're like, please stop killing us. But the only thing they know how to do is just to keep... All they can do is just keep killing people. It's like their only language.
0: Yeah. yeah. The uh, the threat of uh, a challenge to them is more violent than the violence that they're perpetuating. Um, and I do I do want to um, jump off to the side. Maybe we can uh, keep you out of the loop on this one, Brooke. Uh, the last chapter of Chainsaw Man that came out, uh, I guess, on Friday or today, the June twenty eighth. What an amazing reveal about Makima. Am I right? Yeah, that was rough. I mean, this, this is this whole series about demons, and uh, the demons in the series are um, formed by humanity's fears. If you fear uh, suffocation, there might be a suffocation demon. Uh, the most powerful demon in this world is the gun devil. I'm sorry, I keep saying demon, devil, gun devil. Um, and yeah we just found someone who is more insidious than the gun devil i won't say more than that
1: hmm. sounds like a nice light-hearted read
0: yeah it's really fun it's actually extremely
1: yeah, yeah. funny uh, um, it's It is really funny yeah
2: yep. yeah yeah that was not a fun chapter
0: oh i'm sweating guys i'm sorry if i'm uh uh dragging the conversation left right whichever way um left, left which is good i i, I yeah. think that um i i have said what i want to say um august do you have any uh final thoughts brooke before we go to our uh random wikipedia
1: no i think feature? i think we're
0: going go to wikipedia now okay brooke
1: no i'm i have no thoughts
0: great no uh that's the quote no of the thoughts. episode i have no thoughts yeah. just like you've never read or watched anything yeah. but the akira movie
1: I'm just straight blank slate, but Akira beamed into my eyeballs.
0: There we go. That's how I'm going to raise my kids. So I am at akira.fandom.com backslash wiki backslash Akira underscore wiki. And we are now going to uh, each click a random page on this wonderful Wikipedia uh, fandom wiki and try to have a micro discussion about whatever may come up um i'm ready august are you ready brooke are you ready i am not ready okay you will go you will go last that's no problem i will go last you will go last uh i will uh i have my mouse ready i'm gonna click it okay click it click it or ticket we need we need a a slogan like that for masks like mask or casket (laughs) that's too long (laughs) not that one so yes, I, ha- I have landed on Masuru. Anyone want to take a crack at that? Say it again. What did you get? Mas- Masaru. Sorry, I said Masuru. Masaru. Designated number two. Oh.
2: Masaru is one of the espers. He's the, uh, he wears a suit.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the pocket square. He yeah, looks like, exactly like... Um, a creepy baby. Who was the host of uh, Family Feud? Louis. Drew uh, Carey. No, no, Louis. Louis. Um, uh, he was on Baskets. He won an Emmy for that. Oh. And he he's just a tor- terrible terrible guy. Louis Anderson, I think. Yep, Louis <laughs> Anderson. He looks like Louis Anderson. Uh, meets. He looks like Louis anime. Anderson. Baby. Yeah, baby Louis. Um, baby Luau. So he... Uh, yeah, oh, this guy of, he, sucks. He's one of the espers. He's uh, one of those powerfully gifted uh, old man Hans Molmen kids. Um, I can't... He, he was kind of like the more cool and calculated one of the group, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was more stable-minded, I would say. Yeah, I think he showed that um, by dressing very sharply.
1: A Ooh. gentleman esper.
0: Who is uh, the tailor for these men kids? I don't wonder do that. I mean, the government. You know, they were just providing these sweet suits. That's what I'm saying. Though, is there like a is uh, someone who applied for a job to be at the government to be a tailor, and then they found out, like, hey, by the way, you are actually um, taking measurements for Hans Moleman-esque children with psychic abilities who are locked in a vault and uh go ahead i'm pretty sure it happened just like that yeah okay yeah i mean you got it people got to do the work uh someone's got to clean their toilets
2: they got to hem those pants you know what i mean
0: absolutely yeah all right uh augie do you want to hit rando yep boom hitting it so i got mr nezu oh mr nezu um i was just reading about that uh He's a character in the first volume. I remember that much. Okay. Um, Brooke, any, is that hitting anything for you?
1: No. Uh, it is not, but I did Google it. Oh. <laughs> so I have the powers of Google.
0: Okay. Can you two give me he, a hint? Or sorry. I no, mean, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: He. We have another uh, extremely fashion forward, um, giant baby looking person. Oh. With What's kind her? of like a rat got like a sweet long uh kind of mullet comeback situation.
0: Ah, uh, he is the uh see revolutionary? Yeah, he's a terrorist resistance member. He was he was part of the revolution. He was the man on the inside.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was part of the parliament, but he was feeding everything to the revolutionaries.
0: Yeah. Do we, what was his motivation? I can't remember that. Um and they didn't get into it in the first book. Uh i don't remember either okay who cares yeah. this, this is a made-up story from 35 years ago who gives a yeah. shit
1: yeah i mean chaos <laughs> stirring chaos who knows yeah, maybe that
2: he should be
0: bastard though he looks what he's just creepy he's creepy looking yeah uh nezu isn't that the japanese word for mouse mm. Hmm. Mm, i don't know Mm-mm. Four years of Japanese in high school is a closeted uh, weeaboo. Will get me this much twelve years later. Uh, no, it's the is What is Mizumi? You're close. Mizumi. Eh, mm-hmm. Who gives a shit? Um, Mr.
1: Right. Nezu kind of sounds like Mizumi.
0: Mr. Nezu. Mizu. Here we yeah. go. All right, Brooke. Let's let's hit that rando button.
1: Uh. So I have gotten something that I feel like feels uh. Pretty different from you guys. I have the track list. <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, I, I would love soundtrack. to talk about the soundtrack yeah. to the movie. Oh, god.
1: Um, you know, recorded by Genyo Yamashiogomi. I'm sure right. I'm not saying that right, but um, some wonderful track names, including Exodus from the Underground Fortress. So,
2: nice. I Want to give that
1: a listen? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh,
2: mutation number nine i think i'm looking at that as well right now number seven yeah man some really good tracks in there Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i uh reading the manga today i I thought this is great but i wonder if this would be better with the movie soundtrack playing in the background probably i ultimately chose not to do that but um it would be fun yes
1: those are my thoughts on the track list
0: that's fine yeah, great great soundtrack. Uh greater discussion of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm.
2: So now we move on to Q&A. Do you have any questions, Brooke? Talk?
0: Yeah, really really any questions that you uh felt that would have derailed the conversation or maybe we just talked over or lost the thread. I'd uh, love to hear anything that you have.
1: Uh, the thing it's funny, because I feel like the thing that always comes to my mind when I think of Akira is that final uh, like body horror scene um of he had Tetsuo, just Tetsuo become, right? Yitetsu, excuse me of just yeah becoming in like this whole gorged cellular thing, and I find yeah. it interesting that that wasn't really mentioned at all by you guys, so it's it's funny how. I guess people who like actually are diving into this, these stories, don't think of, or aren't thinking of the most obvious thing. Hmm. I would say
2: that I, I did that bring words. it up in my thought where power became very literal yes. when I was talking yes. about it. But yeah, like that was only briefly, I think.
1: Yeah, I yeah mean, and even even before I saw the movie, I remember seeing that image like. Mm. Yeah, you know, top top
0: kid. two images, probably that and just the, uh, the way they animated the motorcycles with the trailing mm-hmm. lights, like just two very separate iconic imagery going through. But yeah, I mean, that is a... Uh, God, when I was trying to be a uh, critic back when I was 22 to 24, the best video game review I ever read was um, kind of predicated on that image of... Becoming bulbous—that's the word I used earlier. The uh, this just grotesque um, circular thing bulb- uh, bubbling out of you—it's so disgusting and unbelievable.
1: Yeah, not so much a question, more just a, uh, observation, I guess. But yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, maybe we didn't even ask you this, but uh, I mean, I guess I just assumed because you want you were on the show that you liked Akira. Uh, what did you think of the movie when you watched it going in relatively, uh, blank?
1: Well, I, I knew going in that it was kind of like a seminal work mm-hmm. of anime. And I think having that in my head, I, I, I mean, I was stoned granted, but I think I also <laughs> had a, like, I, I what I approached it with, um, like respect and excitement, not just kind of like consuming media to consume media. Um, I will say it left me feeling really bummed out, but mm. that's not a bad yep. thing. That's kind of, I think. I mean, that wasn't very like an eloquent way of saying it, but that I think is the message that's trying to get you across is kind of this hollow feeling <laughs> about humanity. Um, I thought, yeah, I found I wasn't. I mean, I was engaged the whole time watching it, which is hard to do when you're stoned, I guess. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um it's it's definitely hard, but uh I would love to roll a doobie and watch Akira now. Although I don't know, reading it, uh I read the first book for the first time in a couple of years today and you just blow through it like the the kind of action scenes are just so there's so much forward thrust. To the story itself like it's just boom 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 uh and it's very cerebral the entire time where you're just trying to figure out what is going on what is the background of this but it's just very simply uh aesthetically pleasing it's one of the best drawn works of art i've ever seen uh i would put it up there probably against berserk uh Mm, yeah that's true uh i i love one piece of course we've talked about this before but just in terms of artwork, um, I would have to put it maybe Tayo, Tayo Matsumoto, author of Tekkan Uh Akira Berserk. Those are it, man. Junji Ito. Really, really... The, I, I, I used to read a lot of manga when I used to take the subway into work. So I'm a big collector. I went through a big phase where I was buying everything I ever wanted, and then I'd read it on the train into Manhattan. Uh, and the... Only time anyone ever uh, talked to me about what I was doing um, was a lady who noticed that I was reading a volume by uh, Kentaro Miura. It wasn't Berserk. It was a uh, smaller series. But she was so taken by the art just sitting next to me that she, I guess, felt compelled to ask, what am I looking at? It it just has that quality of like... uh, It has that quality of quality. I'll leave it at that. Wait, yeah.
2: I want to ask a question though. What was the series you were reading?
0: I was reading uh, *King of Wolves*, which I've is that good. You've read that one? No, I've just heard that it's good. It's yeah, good. yeah. No, it's a uh, that is a early collaboration between Miura and Buronson, who is the uh, author of *Fists of the North Star*. North Star, baby. Which is the preeminent Japanese ripoff of *Mad Max*, and boy, do I love that. Yeah, um, King of Wolves is great, though it's a self-contained story. Uh, Miura has at least two other works that Dark Horse put out at various times: Giganto Maxia, and he just started a new series recently. Yeah, uh, it's like called Duraka or something. Yeah. Durangi. That's okay. It's fine. All right. It's beautiful. Um, I feel like I've made my point about. Kira, I made my point about war. I feel the same. Feeling Great. good. Uh August, what you would say that you've said everything you ever dreamed of saying today? Um
2: <laughs> Yeah, I think that we covered the topic pretty well. Um okay. I think for me, yeah, Akira was it was at the very beginning of my interest in manga and anime, and it's always always stuck with me. And I feel that returning to it is always like a very like fond place to go back to like i always get really happy rereading it and i think Mm -hmm. i reread it maybe once a year oh um, wow like segments of it once a year um but it's always yeah it's a very beautiful manga to get into and it's not you can jump around really easily too um with it which is nice so you don't have to do it like chronologically like it's really easy to like hop into the fourth book and figure out what's going on it's kind of fun
0: that's great i love that i love i love a good series like that uh, Brooke, do you have you said a hundred percent of what you thought during the taping of this podcast? Uh
1: well, I mean, I, I was hoping to talk about how uh, I mentioned this to August, how you know uh my my you know, watching a Yasha as a kid was like a like a small yes. sexual awakening for me, but I guess that's yes. maybe for a different episode.
0: Iron Reaver Soul Stealer. <laughs> We'll get we'll get you back on there, and my friend Dan yeah. Axmacher just recently—I uh, don't know what he did—but a dispensary opened up near him, and then he told me that he watched all of Inuyasha. So, looks like maybe amazing. maybe the two of you could do a spinoff podcast that we'll hype uh, yeah, yeah. up. Yes. <laughs> I'll just put just you two in a room,
1: every, rating every Inuyasha character by horniness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what do we have? We have Sashomer. I think the the hottest guy for me as a I would say relatively straight person, even as a thirteen, fourteen year old, was the wolf guy. Oh boy, I loved him.
1: You mean Inuyasha? Oh no, sorry. Uh yeah, show
0: No, no, not he's the dog guy. Inuyasha and him oh. are dogs. Uh Koga, I think. Koga Is Koga. That right? Yeah, Koga, it's Koga. Koga. Yeah. Oh my god. I had Brooke, did you have a PlayStation one at any point in your life?
1: Uh I think we did.
0: I went to uh, EB Games at one point and I just saw that there was a Inuyasha PS1 game. And I asked my mom, hey, I want to buy a game. She said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I took that home, put it into the, went down to the basement and played a, basically like a Street Fighter clone with Inuyasha. And it was the most fun I think I ever had in my whole life. Yeah, he's
1: got some moves, you know?
0: Yeah. Tetsaiga. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. great koga
1: i remember koga i'm looking at pictures
0: he's the wolf boy Uh uh-huh brown i love the brown i really do forget like how sexual that show was
1: (laughs) well i feel like so many of the and maybe this is just like a a a touchstone for like a lot of anime like i think when you're watching it as like a kid there's so many characters are in this like they're drawn like almost gender fluid Mm. do you know what i mean like watching them like you wouldn't know what i guess what gender they were unless they were like addressed or if they spoke yeah which i think is like there's something kind of sexual about that i don't know
0: yeah Yeah, i I, I think think, go ahead go ahead if you
2: google Sashamaru, like looking at it now like i wouldn't know really if that was a lady or a man and either way it doesn't really matter i'm still kind of attracted to kind of i mean i am you know what i mean (laughs)
0: That's tight. It's really tight. Um, guys, I think we should probably wrap up. We've, uh, uh, I'm sure, exhausted everything. The entire uh, critical discussion about Akira has now concluded. Um, if I see one YouTube video uh, discussing Akira, I will flag it for copyright infringement. <laughs> uh, Brooke, I want to thank you. As someone who I've never met before, um, 5.05 p.m. today, uh, it's now 6.30 uh, it was great talking to you. Very happy to have you on the show. And
1: thank you. Uh,
0: God forbid we never do an Inuyasha episode. Um, <laughs>
1: oh, I'm, we're
0: doing I, an Inuyasha episode. Oh, right. I'm, I'm going to make it a point to bring you and my friend Dan on. Um, maybe I'll just take a back seat. Maybe I'll turn my mic off and just let you two uh, wrap it up. You know, wrap. Yeah. We're do. Any
1: excuse to start watching it again?
0: It's on Netflix. That's, that's <gasps> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. Not the not the whole thing, but well, no, yeah. Last be. the last time I went to Boston, I saw Dan in the winter. We uh, I guess we had just seen Cats in theaters. We came back. <gasps> oh my god! Watched Inuyasha and Cat. And it, it was something. It was something.
1: What a what an interesting way to follow up Cats.
0: <laughs> just,
1: with like more, just more <laughs> like mind fuckery.
0: Right. Well, uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Um August, it's always great having you. Um on my show, of course. Yeah, your show all of a sudden. (laughs) The genesis for the show, if I haven't said before, was that I got fucking ripped. Uh and then two or three in the morning I texted August that we should do a uh drunken podcast about Hunter Hunter. Um and here we are, episode five. I hope we keep going. Um August, I want to pose this as a uh, formal question: Shall we do Uzumaki next week? Yeah, let's do Uzumaki. All, All right, before. we're gonna we're gonna have my good friend Miles Bow, a uh, noted music critic uh, of such websites as uh, Pitchfork, Stereogum, Bandcamp, um, and we we happen to share the same birthday. So, um, Be real. so, yeah, we were born on the exact same day. We met on Craigslist, and. He is a great fan of the series Uzumaki. He brought it up to me independent of anything else. So I cannot wait to dig into that. I do want to interject
2: really quick and ask a question of how did you meet on Craigslist other than for sex?
1: Yeah.
0: We're going to get to that next week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Um, It was great to have you. And. Oh, one final thing. Uh, Brooke, we gave you the opportunity at the beginning of the episode to prepare a plug. Have you thought of anything?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, I can't say I've seen every episode that's come out so far, but there is there was a, a show that I think aired beginning of June um, on HBO. It's a BBC show called I May Destroy You mm. um, about a, uh, a woman who is kind of internet famous and writing a book and his writer's block and... Uh, I won't go into too much, but ha- suffers uh, like a, a bit of sexual trauma and just her processing that and going through that and navigating that. Um, it's, I mean, sounds crass to say it does. It's really funny. Um, but not only just beautifully shot, just interesting characters. Um, I think it's, you know, new episodes are still coming out, but I really, really have loved it so far. Great. Yeah. That's I'll it.
0: Check that out. I've seen a lot of ants for that. Um, yeah. Different HBO shows. Great. Great. Okay. August. Any final parting words? No. Thanks for listening in. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening in. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next week for uh, possibly one of the greatest horror series of all time, uh, *Uzumaki* by Junji Ito. Take care, everyone. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> podcast